Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Yeah, right now it is 90 degrees at 6.30 Fahrenheit at 6.30. You're in UK, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've only been there twice and I've been in the summer both times. So I just remember it was like the the sun wouldn't go down to like midnight over there. I was like, this is strange. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but how's everything? Yeah, it's good. It's not too bad. I'm still... um. Yeah, so work is good. I've been like doing this for one year now, so I'm like an amateur compared to you. One year, <laughs> no, but you know what? Uh, I mean, in terms of time, maybe, but in terms of what you're doing, I've never been a CTA. I'm really glad you offered to come on the podcast because this stuff, this is like a job that a lot of people can attain as their entry level position. Besides clinical research coordinator, clinical research assistant, but nobody ever talks about it because I think because nobody knows. So thank you so much, first of all, for agreeing to come on. And second, Ayo, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, so I started off my career um, as a biomedical scientist. I think in America, you guys don't have that position. <laughs> We have scientists, we have like biomedical engineers, we have like PhD scientists, they they work um, in the labs, they, they write papers, they try to get published. I actually talked to one yesterday. Um, I don't think he was a biomedical scientist, but he was definitely a scientist like trying to publish a lot of papers. Mm. Yeah, so I did that for like five years. So, um mm. Yeah, so as an undergraduate, I did an internship for Public Health England. Ah. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Yeah, I kind of said a name there. So 
Public yeah. Health England. Yeah, but they don't. There's nobody from their watch. I never received a message yeah. from anyone from. Them. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. Public Health for the UK. So okay. I worked as an intern and I qualified as a biomedical scientist. What was your degree? Uh, biomedical science. Okay. Bachelor's or how does one even do that? Let's talk a little bit about that. Like how I'm interested in that. How did you get into that position? Um, I just applied, like finished um, high school and applied for biomedical science. I wanted to be a doctor, but that didn't really work out. So I said, if I do like pre-med, I think that's what you guys call it. Yeah. Pre-med classes. Okay. So, wow. Because I was pre-med as well. Um, Couldn't get in. And then I ended up becoming a coordinator. But, you know, the older I get, the more interested I'm actually. I've been in this industry since 2005. Okay. I've basically uh, not really paid attention to the science. Because I don't need to. In my role as a coordinator and eventually as a site owner, you're more a business person than a scientist. Like the scientist is taken care of by the drug companies. So you're just executing a protocol. I know it sounds fancy, like, oh, you're doing clinical research. Everyone thought I'm experimenting in labs with tubes. That's not what we're doing. We're enrolling patients, following a protocol. The science is already like it's foolproof. They just they thought about this for you. You don't need to do anything, just document. But the older I'm getting, especially after COVID, I found myself uh, like having a rekindling of my interest in science. So now I'm like reading a lot about science. I've never looked at the investigator brochures before in my life just to make sure they're there. But I never looked at them. I'm Now for every study we're getting here in Arizona, we're getting like a study every two weeks. I'm looking at all of it. I'm interested in mechanism of action, all that stuff. So that your background is very intriguing to me. Um, And maybe we should do a whole podcast, like part two, just on that. But this one we want to do on CTA. And you work for a large CRO. We're not going to name names. There's like six of them out there. So you guys guess. And by the way, Io, you want people to reach out on LinkedIn? Yeah, I don't mind. IO's LinkedIn is underneath this video and also in the podcast. If you're listening, thank you. Like, subscribe, comment, share, leave a review, connect with IO, tell her what's up, get to know her like she knows science. This is amazing. We're going to talk a lot, IO. Okay, so how do you go from that to CTA? Like, how did you even realize this was a thing? Most people don't know what this is, CTA. Yeah, so, um, I think in my career in the lab, I went from public health, then I went to the health sector. Like we've got the National Health Service in England. So I worked there as a a scientist. So I was working in microbiology and just working with like the clinicians to diagnose patients and figure out what antibiotic programs to put them on. So um, I think in 2020, I had like an enlightenment. So I felt mm. like, oh my gosh, it's a quarter life crisis. What am I doing with my life? Quarter life crisis. <laughs> during COVID, during COVID, yeah. right before COVID. Yeah, just before, like December twenty nineteen. So you were uh, having a quarter life crisis. What is this? You're well, very young. Yeah. So what is a quarter life <laughs> crisis? 
Yeah, I was thinking, where am I going? What am I doing? Like, before the next <laughs> decade of my life, I need to know what's going on. So... You're thinking way too much, Ayo. You've <laughs> got, like, such a bright future. I don't know what you're thinking about. You're Are you out of this quarter-life crisis now? Yeah, I am now. Thank okay. God I'm out. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I thought this would be a therapy session right now. Okay. (laughs) So I'm out now, but I just woke up and I said, I need to get out of the lab. I can't do this anymore. Really? So you didn't like it? I did for the first couple of years, but it wasn't my long-term plan. Okay. What was it about it that you didn't like? Because I've never been in that experience. See, everybody's like a guru. I call all the guests guest gurus because you all have a story and even that, like we can just have a podcast for an hour. We're not going to do that now, but we like just a brief summary of like, for those who don't know, what do you do in the lab and why did you not like it? Yeah, it was just the volume of work. So I'm trying to compare now, like, okay, did I have more work in the lab or do I have more work now in the CRO? But Which I one? guess they're different. It depends on how you look at it. So. Mm. So it depends on what you like, I guess, your affinities. And your affinities can change, but I think your back or your science background can serve you well after you develop, like, um, I guess, the infrastructure for your clinical research career. Because they, like, I think you can get into maybe regulatory affairs, medical writing if you want. There's a lot you can do. I think that your career trajectory is going to be interesting to follow, and I'm glad we're connected on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the future holds because I don't really know like where I'm going to be in 10 years. So we'll wow. see. <laughs> All right. So how did you discover CTA? Like what? You're sitting in your lab um, <laughs> with a pipette and you thought, OK, CRO? No. Well, my aunt told me in 2018, she lives in Atlanta and she said, oh, you know, like one of her cousins, she's a CRA. And she said, oh, like, you've got really good lab experience. Why don't you consider going down that path? Like, you'll really enjoy it. It's good money. Like, it's a really good job to do. So um, I said, oh, I'm not ready to get out yet. Like, I don't even know how to get in. That's a whole complete career change. Like, it just sounds like it takes too much effort. So I'll think about it later. So three years later, I said, you know what? I'm ready to get out. And I sat on LinkedIn. I did a lot of networking and sent out CVs um there's an organization in the UK called like Black Pharma so, oh okay kind of like black women in clinical research but yeah. for pharma yeah okay so how did they help did they help you out by like connections networking or what did you do yeah so I was already applying for jobs and then I got like some interviews for some smaller CROs mm-hmm. so the interviews were coming in and then I connected with Black Pharma and they were just like trying to support with interview tips. Um, wow. Yeah, so it kind of all worked out last summer. Shout out to Black Pharma. Uh, yeah. I think I've heard of them before, but I, I definitely didn't know Black women in clinical research because Danielle, she's been on the podcast. So maybe it's an example. So your aunt, you said, right? Your aunt yeah. in Atlanta first opened your eyes maybe to this world of clinical research. And then you started to dive into it. Is your, Was your aunt working in this industry? No. So her niece is working in the industry. Ah, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So then I said, okay, let me take a look at it. And um, I started applying. Then I found you on YouTube. 
Sorry. Yes, this is how we <laughs> go, guys. This is what's up. Okay, so and then you studied the videos, mainly the five-hour one. And what's the <laughs> what was the job market like from when you opened your eyes? Because you didn't quit your lab job yet. So from when from the point of discovery, like Auntie telling you, "Hey, I, you know, you should consider this if you're having quarter-life crisis. Look at research. Um, this is probably good for you." to when you started getting interviews. What was the time between those two periods from enlightenment to interviews? That was like three years. (laughs) Three years. But that was on my part because I wasn't ready to move. I was still comfortable in the lab at that point. Ah, too comfy. What was the turning point? COVID? Yes, and the NHS. Yeah, the National Health Service. I said, oh, I don't know if I really want to stay in the lab. Like, this is a lot. There's so much work. Like did your job patients. Did your job completely change during COVID? Um, no, but I left um public health and I went into like um the health service laboratories. And when I got there, I said, Wow, like there's so many patients, like this is a lot. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. I see. Then I said, you know what? I don't know if I want to stay here forever, like even if mm-hmm. I specialize in virology. Like, does it make sense for me to specialize in like a lab setting or should I take this experience now and then go over to pharma? I gotcha. So, okay. So the CROs, how many interviewed you before you got the job that you have now? Um, well, I interviewed for like medical writers. I was applying for everything. Ah, I told <laughs> medical writer. I knew it was like up your, up your alley. Okay. Yeah. So I interviewed and then I said, you know what? I think I really want to work for CRO, like. I can go into regulatory affairs, medical writing later. I don't have to do it now. So okay, um, how did yeah, yeah you can do it later? I what what did you how did you even know about CROs like from Black Pharma? No, I think YouTube. So I watched you, and then I just googled. I said, ah, all right, all right, guys, I'm telling you. Okay, so then you applied CROs, and you probably saw all these positions. You had no idea what they were. They all sound the same, but you applied to all of them. Um, mainly CTA. I was trying to get into CTA. Okay. And then your first interview, did you do any interviews for clinical research? Like not for medical writing, but for CTA, uh, did you get like hired where you are now? And after your first interview? Um, yes, I did. So I got, um, the smaller CRO, they really liked me. And then they said, oh, but we feel like we can't pay you a decent salary for your experience. So we feel like Ah. we're changing. Yeah, so they were upset that oh, we don't want to short. They couldn't. They couldn't afford you. You're expensive. <laughs> okay, okay. So then, <laughs> wow. And what'd you tell them? Were you like, yeah, that's true. Like, did you need a certain salary? The, um, yeah. Before you can join. Okay, okay. That, that happens a lot. Nice. Yeah. That actually happens a lot to people from other industries who get somewhat successful. I mean, you're young, so you were climbing, so you were like not entry level anymore in your previous industry which is a little bit ancillary and sometimes when you get into clinical research you got to take a step back in payment but people don't realize on the other end of that is like a steep trajectory but a lot of people can't afford that little dip before they go back up but so sounds like that was you too so you got the first one but they couldn't afford you so you had to keep interviewing yeah, so they turned me down because of that. 
Okay. And then they called me back two weeks later saying, oh, we'll take you. It's fine. Like, we'll just try and take you. Like, we really like you and we'll try and take you. And then by that time, I'd gotten, like, where I am now and I wanted to work where I am now. Wow. See, they made a mistake. Let's not name those people, but that was foolish. (laughs) That was foolish. It was probably, like, chump change of the difference between them having a great employee and not. Yeah, so I'm really Unreal. happy. Unbelievable. Okay, so what do you do? Like, what was your first day like? What do they tell you? Do you work from home or you go somewhere? Yeah, I go like once or twice a week. Okay, so you have a like perfect setup because a lot of people like this hybrid. A few days from home, a few days from the office. I'm trying to do that with my own clinics now too that I hired two coordinators. And we work with a lot of CTAs. We're getting like two new studies every month now. So we work we work with CTAs. They're always you guys are the ones always asking me, Hey, did you complete your financial disclosure form for this person <laughs> and that person? And we're like, Hey, hey, chill, chill. They're they are on vacation. All right. You can't <laughs> get it yet. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell us about like day to day. What do you do? So day-to-day is assisting the CRAs with document collection and the general maintenance of the TMF. So just ensuring that all of the... Trial master file for people who don't know. Oh, yeah. So just filing and making sure that we have like a complete and accurately up-to-date TMF platform. Can you give me an update? How many studies approximately do you work on uh, at one time? Um. Well, I've got like nine in total. Nine, okay, okay. And then how many sites on average per study? Um, maybe like ten. Wow, so you're you're juggling a lot of stuff. Are and they're not all startup, right? Like they're at <laughs> different phases of the like some are startup, some are maintaining, some are closeout, some are enrolling, right? Yeah. Wow. So I think like there's a, see, I've never done this job, but I, I know like in theory and I know people who do it. Um, and I've done those things like on a small scale with my CRO and we did an investigator initiated trial, but it's no, nowhere near the same. Like it's, it wasn't a full time thing. So you have to be like extremely organized. Do they give you the tools like the trackers and all that stuff to keep you up to? speed or are you having to create your own tools um i create my own system wow okay yeah but to me that was my least favorite part of doing what you do i kind of did a little but like to track even for one site it's like so much so you set reminders in your calendar like how do you do this stuff yeah i like um sticky notes and i've got like a really good planner so i've got like a really nice planner here that i like okay okay <laughs> all right so do you actually interact with sites like do you call them and say hey you know we've been missing this from you what's happening what's going on yeah so i email and call if they're not responsive then i would call <laughs> and you t- you talk to study coordinators yes site level so they do have um site coordinators on sites and in the uk are you dealing mainly with academic medical centers or are you dealing with um, private clinics like mine um private clinics and health service clinics as well and all in the uk or throughout europe um just uk 
Wow. Yeah, so I don't have any European sites. So UK is thriving. They have a lot of private clinics. Yeah, and the NHS. Like, there's a lot of um, health service clinics on there. Yeah, I imagine that, but I didn't realize so many private clinics. Okay, because here in the U.S. we have like mostly private clinics, and then each study is usually anchored by a few academic medical centers, but they're very slow. So then you have to like, they're good for the name, but then you have to have like sites like mine that do the work, do the dirty work. Um, nothing against AMCs. Okay, so what what's your biggest like uh, enjoyment from what you do? Um, I do like the hybrid work setup. I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome because you can't get too bored at your home because then you go to the office and then you can't, you know, you could get away from those people every now and then and come home. So you like both. You like interacting, but also like being alone. Yes. And, um, but then I feel like sometimes I work overtime a lot more from my house. Yeah. You work, people don't realize, I learned during COVID, you work more from home than you do at the office. <laughs> it's true <laughs> even today, like when I have a site, I do I do like a lot more socializing at the office than I do at home. Like at home, I'm here, I work on my computer, I do nonstop Zooms, I let my dogs out to go to the bathroom, and then I come back. At work, I'll go talk to this person, then this person comes, then this person tells me something, and then it's like two hours is waste already. Yeah, that's what happens. But it's nice. Like in the lab, you don't get that freedom. You're just in there concentrating, like on your batches of um, samples. So you don't get the same freedom that you'd have. I'm trying to win a Nobel Prize over there in the labs, but that to <laughs> me that I, we got to do an interview on that. Okay, least favorite part of your job. Um. I would say it's a lot of work, but depends on how you look at it. But I do enjoy it. That's the thing. So, um, but the work people don't understand. Even my coordinators, when they're they're new, I told them like, it's a lot of work, but it's not like you're used to at your high volume clinic where you do like patient treatment, private practice. It's just I don't know how to explain it. It's like just paperwork and looking at like very detailed. Like they don't look at this level of detail in most industries. Yeah, and I don't like last-minute file reviews. I don't like that. Last-minute file? What is a last-minute file review? So if you've got a close-out visit that you weren't prepared for and then it gets rung up on you, like, oh, you've got seven days. Ah, so you have to get, what, like the delegation log? You're looking at all that, like delegation log, end dates, IRB close-out form. Um, what else are you looking at close-out visits? Uh what are some of the documents that you're looking at? Like, what are you reviewing? What files? Um, protocol amendments, um, mm -hmm. CVs, GCPs, um, uh, yeah, FDFs, every single thing on the TMF, what, whatever's present needs to be reviewed. Gotcha. So, like, whatever there was at startup, you're just confirming that anyone else who's on the study since then has it closing up the loose ends, basically. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I we only have five minutes left, and it's my fault because I I slept in today. Um, <laughs> I totally forgot. But we gotta do a part two because this people are gonna be really interested in this CTA. So, do you recommend? Well, first of all, what's your goal for future? Like, are they grooming you to be a CRA? Do you have a line manager? How? What's going on? 
Yeah. So in February, I said, oh, should I be an RSU specialist? Like, should I go down that path? Because CRAs have to travel. Like, I don't know. What's RSV? Remote site visit? Oh, um, RSU. So regulatory startup. Oh, okay. Regulatory startup. Okay. Yeah. So I was um, considering. Do you, and do you have a line manager? Most of these big CROs have a line manager. Yes. Yeah, I do. So, I so said, you're bouncing oh, I things off that. of them and like, hey, this is something. And are they telling you like, oh, you might want to consider this? Yeah. So she did like give me like some options. And then in July, I said, you know what? I'm going to do CRA now. I think I've made my mind up. I can still do okay, it. Okay. Okay. You yeah. know what? I criticize, I criticize these big CROs a lot. I mean, they obviously, they're not perfect. They have... There's a lot that you can point out that they're doing wrong, but I think one of the best things they're doing right is these line man. The concept of this line manager, it's so brilliant because they know this is a competitive field. They know that someone like Io comes in. Okay, she doesn't have a research experience, so we're going to put her as as a um, CTA, but she's smart. So after like a year, she you know she already had a quarter life crisis. She's she's going to want to go do something else. So we need somebody in charge of grooming her career so we can keep her here as long as possible, hopefully for life. I think that's a really good concept that the CROs need more credit for. I've interviewed like two line managers on this show and they're amazing people from both from big CROs. So I I don't give CROs enough credit publicly for that, but that's one of the concepts that they've implement at least in our industry that i think is amazing i think sites need to do it and yeah it's commendable for the cro so that's that's really good to hear and so cra it is gonna be for you you think yeah i want to because i'm like so i'm getting married so i thought oh what happens like Ah, congrats congrats yeah thank you so then i was worried that oh but what happens after but I've heard a lot of people on your podcast that have children and their CRAs and nothing's happened and you can still do yeah it. it's doable especially if you have a partner who like you guys work it out together it's definitely doable um when is do you think realistically you can do the CRA um I hope by the end of this year so by autumn Ooh. yeah so and really- so you started as CTA when exactly um, July 2021. Okay, so by the, so now it's August 2022 for those in the future. Hello. And um, so by December 2022, January 2023, you think you can be, and your line manager told you this is very possible? Yeah, yeah, it is. They wow, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, so I got promoted three months ago. So, yeah. Promoted from what? From CTA to what? CTA one to two. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so like senior CTA. Wow. Okay. This is awesome. The girl, the girls I'm working with, they're actually on a group text right now. We have Clinical Research University, so we have CRC Academy, CRA Academy, clinician for PI. We're working on a medical writer one, data manager. But one of the things they're talking about is a CTA Academy. <laughs> so we'd love to have you on again, like as a guest or something. Because uh, you might be one of the first CTAs on this podcast. Oh, so wow. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't remember if I had, like, I know I've had people who have been CTA in the past, but like current CTA, 
I don't think I've had one. So thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, I can see you're going to be a CRA and you don't mind the travel and all that stuff. Um, no, I don't mind. I think initially I was worried about it. Like, oh, how often like will I ever be at home? Like, I like to cook my own dinner too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they used to treat the CRAs like pretty bad. You know, they would send them out. But now I think they realize we can't overwork them because then a CRA competitor is going to take them. Regardless how nice the line manager is, you know, you just, there's only so much you can do. So I think this hybrid remote monitoring visits sometimes i know from my cra's at the sites like they come every six weeks every eight weeks and they there's their workload is less than what they used to be in the past so mm-hmm. i think that's another good thing that the zeros have been doing man i'm giving the zeros a lot of love on the show it's very weird <laughs> uh you have to go right um well like five minutes Oh, we got five yeah. minutes. That's a yeah, lot. No, you can change somebody's life in five minutes. <laughs> what yeah. would you like to say? Maybe there's an IO, another IO, right? Out there in the world. Maybe an IO in Iowa. All right. That's good. I like that, that sound of that. All right. And she is sitting there watching this and she's like, wow, I'm having a quarter life crisis too. Like, what advice? Let's change her life in five minutes. So I would say, like, nothing's stopping you from making any transition. So don't, like, delay. Try and do it as soon as possible. Because the more you delay, the more you're slowing yourself down. So just go for it. Like, send out your CV or your resume. Put that application in. Watch a lot mm-hmm. of YouTube videos. Do a lot of reading and research. And before you know it, you will get to where you want to be. Do you feel like you speak from experience? You feel like you delayed more than you should have? Yeah, I think so because I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> so I yeah, thought, oh, yeah. what if I don't get a chance? Like I've never done this before. So since there's four minutes left now, how do you do it? If you're that IO in Iowa right now, how do you do it? She's like, um, okay, IO, you sold me. I will act today. But where do I start? Get yourself on LinkedIn and build your brand. So the first thing I did, my mom thought I was crazy, but I got a photographer to come to the house last year. Really? <laughs> so That's he's awesome. like, he's at a studio up, and we took some LinkedIn pictures in my living room. Wow! Did you yeah. also do a photo dump on Instagram? Yeah, I did like three pictures. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good. So brand work on your brand. What yeah. about the CV? Like, when did you start working on your resume? Like, when you're in the lab? And how did you tailor it to research? Or did you not? Yeah, I did a little bit. But I just focused on transferable skills. So what skills can I bring in that is suitable? Like, communication skills, like delivering presentations, um, uh, interpersonal skills. So being able to relate to others. Like, we've all worked with many different people from different, like, disciplines. So as long as you yeah. can relate all of that experience and the scientific knowledge from like the laboratory setting because you would know a lot more about like the protocol in that sense and then you can Mm. just relay all of that information so when you do get to the interview you're just using your own previous experience to sell yourself alongside with the job description Mm. here's a hint for everybody i don't care what industry you're coming from an easy transferable skill besides organization which you need to figure out 
is um, efficiency and productivity because especially these CROs, it's what they care about. Every day for a pharma is a million dollar per study. So you got to figure out how can you be efficient and how can you be productive without wasting time on their clock. And if you could figure that out to communicate as a transferable skill, that and organization and attention detail, you've got transferable skills. And you could probably do that from any industry. Sometimes you just got to get creative about it. Oh, that's a nice tip for me as well. <laughs> well, Latinos in clinical research, who we, you know, one of the groups that we helped build the brand, they posted this thing on LinkedIn yesterday. It's like five images of interview questions. I haven't even read them all. I have, I had to glance through some of them and I saw that one. I was like, yeah, wasted resources is a huge CRO concern. So how are you being productive every hour? Don't waste time. How are you going to do that for your employer? So figure that out. Wow. I Okay. What else can they do? So they tailor their CV. They get on LinkedIn. They work on their branding a little bit. What's next? Just send your CV, guys. Yeah, just keep sending it out. You may get a few rejections, but keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, not may, you will get a few rejections. <laughs> Expect the rejections, guys. Expect the rejections, and who cares? Yeah, you keep going. Like It is quite competitive, but as long as you have the perseverance and the drive, you will get something. I think that um, rejection, the... Um, I think, I don't know if it's done on purpose in the industry, but people are, uh, I think it's a natural filter for the industry. Like it's not something the industry wants to fix because they're like, well, we only going to, if they're entry level, we only want people who really want to be here. So let them struggle a little bit to get interviewed. We don't care. I think that's part of it. Like, I don't know that like, there's no incentive for them to fix it because they let the people who don't really, they're just attracted maybe by money. They don't have the passion. Uh, let them go work somewhere else. We don't need them. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, I think last I word, last piece of advice for this person in Iowa like, that we haven't mentioned yet or anything for people watching. Just keep networking. Believe in yourself. And don't doubt your abilities. Don't doubt yourself because your confidence, it will always speak for you in certain cases as well. Your confidence and your persistence. like. You can't go wrong with that. So just keep going. Stay committed. Persevere and you will get somewhere. Connect with Io on LinkedIn, under the video, and in the show notes in the podcast. Io, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to do part two because we have to follow your career. All right, so at least when you get CRA, we got to do it. And then maybe on that one, we can talk more about your background like in the lab. Because I think there's a lot of people watching that are actually in that position too more than i'm probably thinking there are yeah thank you thank you Io. everybody go connect it's so nice to share your story with us and this is just the beginning right um we'll do this until your midlife crisis hopefully that won't be too bad and then we'll do and we'll keep doing them I, we're gonna follow you we're connected now all right thank you Thank you, Aya. Thank you, Guru Nation. Everybody, like, subscribe, comment, share, and go connect with Aya. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.